You're listening to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. This is episode number 76 on today's show, an insider look at trafficking in Argentina. Welcome to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. My name is Dave Stahoviak, and this is the show where we empower you to study the issues, be a voice, and make a difference in ending human trafficking. And we're so glad to have you back for another episode. We're a couple of week or so behind on our schedule from normal. So thank you for sticking with the show. And we are excited to be back on our schedule of every second Thursday airing the show. And in particular, this week, we are thrilled to bring to you an interview that Sandy conducted just recently down in Argentina, which is one of the reasons we've uh, been a little uh, behind on airing a show is uh, travel schedules with Sandy and uh, my family welcoming a new baby But this is an interview that I know that you will uh, appreciate and will give the perspective of what trafficking looks like in another part of the world that we haven't talked about much in the recent past. Sandy was in Cordoba, Argentina, and interviewed Virginia and Gilbert Contreras. They lead church education and university ministry with the Assemblies of God down there. And uh, I think this interview will be a real value for you to appreciate the challenges that they are working through down in that part of the world. So here is Sandy's interview. This is Sandy Morgan in Cordoba, Argentina, reporting in. Hi, Dave. It's so good to be with Virginia and Gilbert Contreras. They are Assemblies of God world missionaries who work with university ministry and um, Christian education. They've been working here in Argentina for how long, Gilbert and Virginia? Around 14 years. 14 years? And uh, just so people understand, um, Virginia, you are also trained in another field. Yes. Um, well, I am a lawyer, though I'm not practicing right now. Just sometimes when I'm asked about consulting. <laughs> and I'm a professional coach. And, um, and I'm in charge of the, I'm the, the new director of Escuela Biblica um, in Argentina. For the Assemblies of God. Okay. And Gilbert, tell us what you do. I am the president of the Department of University Student Ministries here with the Assemblies of God. It's called Contacto Universitario. Excellent. Excellent. Um, and they also have a daughter. And how old is your daughter and her name? Sophia, and she's 10 years old. And she is a major part of this team? Very much so. <laughs> when I arrived a week ago... They picked me up, and the next day we were working and training 50 leaders at a conference that you organized here in Argentina. Tell us about how that came about. Well, um, I have a burden for uh, human trafficking, and, uh, and especially uh, violations of human rights and violation of human dignity. And so um, I, I lived in the Philippines. I worked in the Philippines um, almost 12 years ago. 
And then I started to realize that um, this, we have the same kind of problem in Argentina. So while I was doing, uh, I put everything in parentheses for a while um, because of raising my daughter. Um, though we were, I think, really um, helping our students to think that they would make a difference with their professions in the future in the marketplace. Uh, but uh, when I was, we were in an itineration in, in California, uh, the Lord started to, um, to awaken me uh, and to be part of, um, you know, in something new. So I attended one of uh, Sunday's conference at Vanguard University, and that was the green light for me to say, you know, it's time to go back. And uh, so I, I have the dream of doing something like that and invite Sandy to come to Argentina to help us. So when I saw Virginia and Gilbert uh, last year, it was in May, and I still remember standing at the top of the escalator and they saw me and they climbed back up. They were on their way down. They came back to the top and they said to me, uh, you must come to Argentina. I have to tell you, lots of people tell me you must do something um, and we're going to invite you. But you were so direct and then you followed up mm-hmm. and I said yes. And you came. And I came. <laughs> yes. And I came. And it has been an amazing opportunity. When I walked into the class last mon- no, last Saturday last morning Saturday. and I saw the amazing group of people that were there, I realized you were so wise. Start training them first before you start doing something. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so who was there? What kind of people? It was lots of different yeah. well, we had, uh, professionals. We had 50 people there. There were pastors, uh, pastors' wives, lawyers, social workers, teachers, psychologists, university students, um, even those people that are actively involved in some way or another reaching out to young people. And it was an amazing time because such an array of backgrounds were together thinking about this problem and how what they can respond, how they can respond to it. And but one one of the women that I met um, is a policewoman. Yeah, oh, police yeah. Woman. She yes. apologized herself that mm-hmm. she was not one day, but she was on duty. Mm-hmm. Uh, her husband is a, uh, one of the chief uh, policemen. And then also we have the academic dean of our yes. Bible school present there. Uh, so a variety of key people were represented there. So to begin to end human trafficking in Cordoba, Argentina, we start by studying the issues. This is the Global Center for Women and Justice mm-hmm. way. Yeah. And we had 50 students and they were ready to study. It was amazing. I loved every minute. Yeah. Even though you worked me so hard. Well, yeah. <laughs> but they also fed me really well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Steaks. Yes. Lots of, oh my goodness, yes, they fed me well. So the leaders then did three days. And one of my favorite exercises was the problem tree. Yes. Tell me what you discovered about Argentina by doing the problem tree. Well, I think it was, first of all, I think it was uh, very challenging because most of the time, uh, because we want to do something, 
we just get uh, involved, but we are just going to, not to the root of the problem, but to the leaves, I mean, to the consequences. Not So we don't really, um, it's what you were saying, we take one of the leaves, but then another one is going to grow, you know, um, mm. the following week. So I think to stop and really think as a group, which were the, the triggers, we were the deepest roots, was an amazing exercise per se for the participants but also it was it it exposed the problems that we have as a society like the lack of education uh the uh, lack of really involvement of the church that was an amazing thing yeah that the church was missing and that's what was one of the root causes of the leaves was that the church was not being the church therefore allowing for so many other things to take its place and we saw that the poverty we saw all the children at risk because the church wasn't being the church yeah and i think because we have the concept that we are the salt of the world but for them was really a realization that we've been salt inside of our own communities and mil- and buildings so that makes something that really was like um uh i think um and it very like you know like the lights were Um, Yeah, yeah. Hmm. (laughs) I was impressed by the amount of insight that was revealed when we looked at the roots. Mm -hmm. Um, I loved seeing the fact that single mothers um, were on the roots. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I also was very interested in the conversation about pornography and demand. Mm -hmm. Um, Because for me, it seems like it's not a lot different in Argentina than it is in California. Yes. Right. So we have some of the same roots. And especially, but especially the view of women, because mm. it's Latino culture. So I, when I was uh, studying law uh, years ago, uh, one of my Argentine professors told me uh, the definition of a woman is uh, a, an object to be used and uh, gozar. And to enjoy. And to enjoy. That's the definition. See that? The definition of yeah. a woman is una cosa, un objeto de uso y goce. Something that you use and enjoy. Wow. That was the definition. That hurts to listen to it. Yeah, but that's the reality that uh, everybody has here in Argentina. And you can see it in our TV programs. And, and the, the way they talk to each other. The youth, they call each other. Che mina means, hey, pencil lead. Pencil lead. Mina. Yeah. Oh. So, again... You're reduced to a thing. Correct. Yeah, to a thing, yeah. And also, I think uh, going back to the root, uh, the tree, I think was amazing because most of the time if we think of prevention, everybody's thinking of passing information or uh, making people being aware and giving tracks, which is part of prevention. But I think what was really uh, caught their attention is that okay we can in prevention we can do we can be doing something with the roots like maybe having a merienda for the kids that after school they are going to be on the streets because their parents are working but suddenly oh we can do something in our church and you don't think that that's human trafficking uh you're right. fighting human trafficking mm-hmm. but for them was like oh you know, this is part, this this is is part of it. And I think one of the executive pastors that was part of the conference, he, he was so resistant to come at the beginning because he was saying, I, I have nothing to do with the trata. 
with the human trafficking. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm not going to be, you know... Out rescuing girls and stuff. Yeah. But then, as a pastor, he realized, oh, there's a con- there's always a connection. You know, it's like we are part by maybe doing something in prevention that is education or is, a, a, you know, doing something for the kids on the streets. This is such an important concept that I... Um, it w- it made my heart sore to listen to him talk about this mm-hmm. because it it makes me sad when I see churches that decide to fight human trafficking and they literally take resources away from ongoing activities Good that are prevention because they think they need to do rescue, yeah. but they don't have the the skills and the knowledge to do rescue Mm -hmm. and now they've left what they are doing that could be more effective they just add a little bit to it and improve the prevention part of that yeah because you were pointing out to the movie taken and i Uh, think that's their mindset Yes. That they're going to be breaking uh, doors. I was and amazed so, how many people have seen Taken. Yeah. Well, it was a big thing here. That's, but that's the trafficking. That's, that's, yeah. I loved telling them what um, our law enforcement chair, our policeman, Derek Marsh, said um, to the class the first day when he taught at Vanguard. The six minutes and the and human trafficking part of the story is over. The rest of it is yeah. Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but that, that you were pointing out that maybe by doing these other programs in prevention, they're not going to have a big name or be recognized that they yeah. are fighting human trafficking, but they are really doing a, a prevention and in a very powerful way. And uh, but other thing that for me was very powerful in the spirit is was um, Pastor Mario was acknowledging what he, in the prayer time he was asking Jesus to forgive him because he had some prostitutes attending his church and he was saying that he was really longing for them to leave so mm-hmm. they don't mess ah. up the congregation right. and he was really so in tears and say asking Jesus to forgive him because he... It, it was um, very encouraging for me to see a leader who is recognizing that this is in our community oh, yes. and we are responsible. Yeah. We have to respond. Yeah. We have to be. And that means that we do what we do in the Global Center for Women and Justice. We study the issue so that we can be a voice and make a difference that counts. Yeah. Um, the focus on prevention encouraged me. I also, uh, before I came here, I read our report in our um, Department of Labor in the U.S. is is required to produce a report on child trafficking and forced labor for products that are on the shelves in America. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I um, shared that list with our our students in this class, and they began raising their hands and saying, oh no, I can tell you a story, this was in the news, and they supported that. And we'll put the link to the 2013 child labor report in on our show notes, Mm -hmm. but tell me about what some of the, one of the attorneys, um, one of the, um, teachers from the school, they had a lot of stories. Yeah, well, they were pointing out about the um, the, the soybean production. Right. Yeah, fields. Uh, it's a big thing here in they, this area. They fumigate the soy fields, 
but the, since our fields aren't really uh, marked by fences or any way to determine which side, which is my property, which is your property, they um, put children out on the perimeter of their fields, and then the planes fly over and fumigate the fields. Okay, I I I heard this in the lesson when they were discussing this, and um, and I couldn't get my head around. Children are now the boundaries. Yeah, like flags. Like and they, they, mm-hmm. they, they mark the boundaries. They mark the, the boundary. Yeah. And then you spray the pesticide from the plane. Over the kids, of course, on the perimeter of the fields and the field itself. So the kids breathe in the, the, these chemicals that are flying over them. And the, uh, the report, well, the, this, this was uh, reported in the newspapers in 2006. According to the people that attend our seminar, they said that this is an ongoing thing. But on the news, this was on the newspaper in 2006, and they, the witnesses, the kids, they were saying that they were working since uh, dawn mm-hmm. till midnight, and that sometimes they were used also to fill the tank of the plane, and because of the wind, all the pesticides was on their faces, and that they have headaches and and that they were not going to school. So this is an article that also we can post there. And and you, yeah, we'll put that on our show notes. Um, And these children, they worked all day. Yes. And and I think I heard you say, quote one of them, that they didn't have options. Yeah, this is what the, the, one of, uh, the, the daddy of these two witnesses, he said at the beginning he was doing that with his kids. And, but then he said, I need to stop because of the inflammation of my organs. And then his, what his excuse or what he said was, no tenemos otra opción. We have no other option. We need to do some kind of work because they were, they were giving them, like I think, 25 cents an hour. Oh, so we're back to the roots. Mm-hmm. We're back to the we're roots. Back to the roots. Yeah, yeah. And according to some of the people participating this last week, this is still happening. Yeah, that's what one of uh, the la- well, all the ladies were saying that this is uh, going on in our province. And this is an area that needs more study. Yes. Um, yes. So that we can make strategies that will create more options. Mm-hmm. Um, then we also talked about. Um, uh, another case here that's more current. Yeah, what's it's very very uh, it's con- this is constantly on the news. It's in Buenos Aires. It's all the illegal factories, textile factories. So and clothing so, factories. Clothing factories. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And so they are um, the what is constantly on the news. And these cases, some of them have been taken to court but not really justice being uh, done. Uh, What they are saying is that um, most of the time there are people from Bolivia or Paraguay that first of all one of them uh, come to Argentina, to Buenos Aires, and they rent a small place. So somebody from Bolivia? Yeah. Okay. And then he goes back and he puts announcements in the radio programs and on the news that he to give opportunities for jobs and then they receive them here in Argentina. They take away their passports and they put them in these small places, families, confined. It's confined rooms with no ventilation, with not very proper electrical outlets with their multiple machines, and they make them work. And they work 17 hours, this is what the article says. 
and the kids are not going to school and the people are exhausted so they fell asleep in the machines and then during the weekends uh, the owner of that, those places they gave them beer and they make them drink so they are not feel so uh, so sad or so they make them drink drink alcohol yeah wow and then um and then it says that um uh well they cannot escape but one of the thing that here one of the witnesses says is that um they were saying why do not you don't escape and why don't you report this to the police and they say no the the number of the police department closest to this place is on the wall because the owner of this place is calling the police uh, um, department once a week to come and take his part so they have protection so this would these these reports are the witnesses in court at the trial yes yes and so they said that they think according to this report that there are one hundred fifty thousand people living in this condition in buenos aires in the from from bolivia from bolivia yeah wow well, hundred and fifty thousand yeah mm-hmm. wow well maybe also from paraguay but this kind okay. of immigrant so they're trafficked from bolivia and paraguay especially because they don't have jobs yes and so someone offers them a job here yeah when they arrive they take away their documents yeah they force them to work. Mm-hmm. This is exactly the same scenarios that we see in the United States. Yes, yes. but here what it says is that most of the clothing that you're buying in the shopping centers in Buenos Aires, they're made this way. Well, then that means that if I'm shopping in California and I look at the label and it comes from Argentina, then I need to use I need to, I need to I need use to the California Transparency Act mm-hmm. for supply chain transparency and ask the um, the store mm-hmm. and the company if they can prove that there was no forced labor exactly. or child labor in exactly. this. Exactly. Do you have a law like this in Argentina? No. No, we don't. We wish we did. No, but we are. I think it was very powerful when you had the presentation for some students. Uh, live to free because they were thinking that okay we cannot do anything because if if the policemen some policemen are corrupted if some judges are corrupted we can't stop this but then they realize well we are voting with what the, we buy yeah yeah yeah. So they like that idea that they can start asking questions and that they can make decisions oh, yes. to buy or not certain products and they can bring awareness and to bring other awareness students. And asking even stores saying, where did you get this from? And they're going to be, what? Where, where did I get what? That whole concept of this might be slavery from somebody somewhere in our country will bring great awareness to even those different shops. Yeah. So I think for young people especially, um, it was really a very powerful I was inspired by the students because they were so eager to start doing something. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so um, tell us what your plan is now. They've decided. Well, uh, within the work with university students, one of the things we want to see them is empower so that they have a voice to uh, to be active in responding to the human trafficking, bringing awareness, uh, responding where they are with their positions. And so we would like to start a lot, Live to Free Argentina um, so that our students would be able to go into the community and present and bring awareness and talk to other youth, talk to the, the, the community of the university, the schools, churches, wherever they would have an opportunity 
to to speak up. And so many of our chapters around the country will begin Live to Free and go into their neighborhoods and, uh, and offer this training. This was very exciting for me because our Live to Free team here at Vanguard is amazing. They go out to high schools and to Christian schools, to community events. And so uh, Gilbert asked me to do like a Live to Free presentation. And of course, we, um, those of you who've listened to us before, you know we talk about child slaves on cocoa plantations. Mm-hmm. And as soon as we started talking about that, they were talking about, well, what about yerba mate, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, which is big, the tea. Yeah. It's very, mm-hmm. and if you haven't tried it, you can come to my house now and I will give you some. I have, I have kilos of it. Um, but taking this same idea and now... Um, Argentinian university students are going to study yes. the issue mm-hmm. and then take what they learn and do community education, yes. not just community awareness. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, oh my goodness, I have so many things that I've learned here, and I'm looking at the clock, and our time is running very quickly. But I want to hear from you what you think is going to happen now in Argentina with the 50 people that took this class. Uh, well, each one of them came away with an action plan, what they're going to do, going back to their communities and and begin a training of at least five to ten others within their community, would be at the church or their workplace or the where they teach and and bring the same training to other individuals, being that in challenging them about that it's more of a complex issue, human trafficking, than they thought, and that they each have a role to play. So we hope that in the next three months we might have, if each 47, let's pair them up by two, 23, start a group of 10, that's 230 other people that are going to receive training on how they can be a voice for people who have no voice, how they can respond to this problem in Argentina. And maybe those will begin other groups, and so we'll see what type of chain reaction, but the community uh, is going to be equipped. And I think that something that really powerful happened that showed how much how important and the interest that they have is that the police lady that was absent one of the days and the pastor, executive pastor that was absent, they are asking us to do it that day, that chapters uh, uh, with us so they can fulfill the training. Mm. So that's amazing because it's like they they are really serious about completing the whole uh, training. So we started with one little group and we're going to multiply that. Mm-hmm. And this concept will raise up an army yes. ending human trafficking. Yes. And it is because we are collaborating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Collaboration is a powerful tool. We are studying the issues and we're making a partnership so that we can end human trafficking together. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything else you want to tell us? Because our time is almost up. Yeah, I want to say thank you, Sandy. Uh, (laughs) I'm not going to cry. Thank you for being obedient to the Holy Spirit and Mm. coming and help us. I am so glad that I am here, and I will come back. Great, great. I'll be back. Mm -hmm. That's a promise. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. (laughs) A huge thank you to Virginia and Gilbert for spending time with Sandy to talk about their work down in Argentina, and we hope that you will stay connected with this show and check out the notes online. You can get to that at gcwj.vanguard.org.
www.ncbi.edu. That is always the best place to find information about the show. And of course, we are always open to your questions, comments, or feedback. Our email address is gcwj at vanguard.edu. Or you can reach us by phone here in the States at 714-966-6360. Hey, if this show's been of value to you, would you take a moment to write a review on iTunes or Stitcher? However you're connecting with the show, it'll help more people to learn and connect with us on Ending Human Trafficking. Have a great week. Take care.